Good evening, and welcome back to another week here at Bible Study Fellowship. We're going to be looking at the middle part of John 6, verses 22 through 40. Let me begin by opening in prayer, and we'll get started. Father, I ask that you would help us to more fully understand the words of Jesus. Lord, help us to understand what it means that Jesus is the bread of life, that he is the bread that's come down from heaven. And help us, Father, to understand how we should receive uh, the gift of life that you offer to us in Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think superheroes is something that has resonated throughout human history, whether it's Achilles, uh, the, the war hero of the ancient Greeks, or Captain America, uh, the Marvel comic book and then later Marvel film hero. We uh, have a fascination with how super strength or super ability would be able to come in and help us through some of the situations that we face in life. Perhaps you can think of a situation in your life where being super strong like Captain America would have brought resolution to a problem that you were facing. Uh, perhaps uh, maybe you needed a superpower more like Black Widow to be super attractive, or you found yourself in a situation when you needed super archery skills like Hawkeye. You know, most of the enemies and challenges that you and I seem to face in our daily lives are not super villain, villains. And so sometimes uh, the, the superpowers of movie characters might not help us as we face some of our internal struggles. Uh, who is the superhero that swoops in when we are lonely or depressed or grieving? Uh, who is the hero that will come in and help us when we fail in our role as husbands or wives or children or parents? Um, you know, as God looked out at our condition, the person that God chose to send was not a super strong person who could fly and jump over buildings in a single bound, but someone who could bring life to a people that are enslaved and trapped in sin. And I think as we think about what I, I hope we can learn this week from John 6 is that uh, God sent Jesus to be the source of abundant life for his people. And two reminders about that. Number one, uh, God originally created us to have an abundant life. When Adam and Eve were created and placed in the garden, their life was meant to be abundant. It was meant to be a joyful life for people that were created, especially in the image of God. And as we uh, are thinking about the response that humanity is having in Jesus's day, and even still in our day, to Jesus's attempt to restore and bring back uh, that right relationship with God, uh, John, the author, reminds us in John 1 that Jesus came into this world that he helped create, but his own creation, his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God. And John's been giving us words uh, for that notion of receive and not receive, and he's used the words belief 
Uh, we've seen people in the Gospel of John respond with belief, and we've seen people in the Gospel of John respond with unbelief. And where we left off at the end of John chapter 5, Jesus was in a dialogue with the people who were referred to as the Jews, the Jewish leaders. And uh, the, 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 the verse that should resonate with us as we work through all of John 6 is the very end of John 5, verse 46, where Jesus says, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And so with, with that question that's sort of lingering in the air at the end of chapter 5, we've gone into chapter 6, and we read last week about the miracle that Jesus performed where he fed the 5,000 and walked on the water. And so we're picking up the narrative after those events have occurred. Uh, at the end of those events, you know, we, we the, the disciples miraculously arrive by boat in the city of Capernaum after they welcome Jesus into the boat, and he exhorts them to not be afraid. And so uh, chapter 6, verse 22 begins, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but had gone away alone. The other verses that we uh, look here, that we read here, uh, talk about boats that come from the city of Tiberias, another city that was on the Sea of Galilee. We know that the crowd that Jesus fed numbered 5,000 people at least yesterday when he fed them, 5,000 men, uh, more women and children would have been there as well. And I don't know how many boats came from Tiberias. Was it enough to ferry a crowd of 5,000 people across the Sea of Galilee? Probably not. Uh, people could have walked around the edges, people could have gotten to the boats, but regardless, the crowd had decided to seek Jesus. And, and in general, I would say that seeking Jesus is a good idea. Uh, they were looking for the one who had miraculously fed them. And, and we're going to see in this interaction that the crowd is about to have, Jesus is going to be working with the crowd to help reveal their heart motivation and to give them some guidance as to where they should go from here as they seek to believe more about who Jesus is. So let's, let's pick up the story here. The crowd has now come across the Sea of Galilee. They have found Jesus in the city of Capernaum. Uh, that occurs uh, in verse 24. And they found him on the other side, verse 25, and they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And I sort of hear in that, I hear the crowd saying, hey, did we miss anything? Did we miss like a miraculous breakfast? Have we missed anything? Uh, has anything happened since, since it took us so long to get here? This is the same crowd that uh, Jesus fed on the other side of the lake. We can tell that by Jesus' response. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus goes on to say, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son uh, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. So the question, when did you come here? Jesus gives an answer. 
Uh, and let's look at that answer a little bit. There's really three questions that the crowd ask Jesus in this section that we're going to look at. We're going to look at the, the request for bread that happens uh, in a few verses as its own separate section. But the three questions that the crowd uh, asked Jesus here, number one, is when did you get here or you know, did we miss anything? Jesus reveals that there are two motivations, two reasons that the crowd could seek him. Uh, one would be that you saw the signs and you came to the logical conclusion that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the person that's been talked about in the Old Testament. He is the correct person to listen to, to trust, to obey. And they are coming to Jesus. They are seeking him because they desire to follow and listen and be close to the Messiah. And the other reason is that your physical needs were satisfied. You had a meal, maybe the only one in your life, where you ate as much as you wanted. And, and Jesus talks to the crowd about what we should be striving for, what we should be working for in this world. He says, do not work for food that perishes. So he uses this word work. And so the work theme is going to get picked up by the crowd in the next question. But first of all, let's think about this idea of food that spoils. Uh, we know that as people, we need food. Physical food will sustain life. Uh, if you were running a prison, you would give the inmates food just to keep them alive. Uh, and God has a greater purpose for humanity than merely keeping us alive. Again, that, that idea in the Garden of Eden that was not meant to be a prison where God was going to provide food, physical food, let Adam and Eve do some work until he had had enough of them. Uh, no, I, I think that God has more that he intends for his people than just physical survival. So Jesus is talking about food that endures to eternal life. Now, we should work for it. There is something that we should do to obtain it uh, because uh, it is something that God is offering and it is worth striving to get. Uh, and so as we think about food that is being offered, uh, God is offering the, the people of Israel something more than just a, a, a minimalistic existence making through the life day to day on bread and fish. We see that, that God is offering life. He is offering eternal life uh, through himself. And uh, he, is, he is acknowledging that the food that he is going to give to the people is something that, that God has established him to be able to do uniquely. He's talked about he has been sealed. Uh, he has the seal of approval that comes from God. For on him, God the Father set his seal. It gives us a, a picture of that. If we look in the uh, Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, we can get a sense of what that seal of approval might have looked like. As Jesus was coming out of the water after his baptism, God said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Those are words that God reserved for his son, Jesus. Again, in Matthew uh, 17, during the transfiguration, Jesus uh, uh, was transfigured before his disciples, and God said, This is my son, 
whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. And so the crowd was, was struggling to do this. The crowd is struggling to hear Jesus' words. And so they heard this idea about working for food that doesn't perish. Uh, and so the question that they ask in verse 28 is, well, what must we do to do the work that God requires, and by extension, to, you know, to receive this food. They're, they're thinking about Jesus' words. They're trying to process it. What is the work that we're supposed to do? Uh, the work that they were supposed to do in the Old Testament, in the Mosaic Covenant, was you know, the Ten Commandments, to follow the Mosaic Law. And so you know, there, was a, there were blessings and there were curses that, that God spoke to say, if you're following the law, you can receive blessings and you can receive curses. And so these people have been raised in that tradition. And so they're wondering, well, what's the work that we're supposed to do? And Jesus says, well, the work that you're supposed to do is to believe. You're supposed to, to believe in the one that God sent, namely Jesus himself. Uh, believing Jesus, we've, as we've seen sort of fleshed out in the Gospel of John, means that we're going to listen to Jesus' words. We're going to believe the things that he says about himself, being God's son, being the Messiah, being the one who can bring life, being the one that can bring spiritual birth, and then, and then taking the next step. Taking the next step of faith, taking the next step step of belief. We've seen people that have done this. We've seen the disciples, the, the, the men that Jesus called to be his close workers, his close followers, Andrew and Simon and Nathan and Philip. We've seen them respond, setting aside uh, their lives for the, for the opportunity to follow and learn from Jesus. We've seen the response of the Samaritan woman. She responded with great belief. And we've also seen people that have struggled to take the next step, Nicodemus, and perhaps the cripple who was healed by the pool of Bethesda. Well, the crowd hears what Jesus says about believing him, uh, about taking that next step of faith. And so they say, well, what sign will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? And, and it, this is, seems absurd for a crowd uh, to, you know, to, to basically, who have, they had a sign yesterday uh, of food and fish, and they talk again, they talk to Jesus about the manna that they received. Uh, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, the thing about manna, if we look back at the story of the Exodus and the story of Moses, manna was provided every day. Every day of the week, except on the Sabbath, uh, there was manna that was provided by God. And so the crowd, in a certain sense, is saying, well, we had one meal, yes. But the experience of the people who followed Moses was that Moses provided bread every day except Sunday. Every day except Sunday. What are we going to get today? How are you going to provide for our physical needs today? Because in the opinion of the crowd, the person who was sealed by God would be someone like Moses. And Moses provided for the physical needs of the people every day. And that was their conclusion. And so that's what they said. If you're going to be like Moses, you're going to provide for our physical needs today as well. 
Jesus goes on to correct their mistaken thinking. Uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So Jesus has come in the pattern of Moses, but he is greater than Moses. God gave the bread from heaven through Moses, and Jesus is coming in that same pattern. He is providing a better bread than manna, which only provided the people with physical life. The principle for this first section is that Jesus always provides the next step of belief to those who seek him. Jesus always provides the next step of belief to those who seek him. If you've ever bought something from Ikea, or perhaps you've bought some other you know, flat package furniture, you can appreciate the need for step-by-step directions as you look at the bits of wood and bits of metal. It's not clear what you're supposed to do first, or maybe even next, or even third. And the manufacturer, the people at Ikea, they, they know how to do it. They've, they've put it in the box, they've put all the, the, the parts in there, and they can provide instructions that will end up with your package of wood looking like a bookcase, or a cabinet, or a, a dresser, or a bed. And uh, John has told us already that Jesus knows what's in the hearts of people. And so Jesus is in a unique position to help people take that next step of belief. And we've seen when people come to Jesus, whether it's Nathaniel or the Samaritan woman or the cripple, as people come to Jesus, he is pressing on them with information and teaching and instruction for what they might need to do to take that next step of belief. And we've seen some people that have taken it, and we've some people that have struggled to take it. And so as you and I are thinking about this, the steps that Jesus has laid out, he doesn't necessarily give us all the steps. But as we think about that, 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 that process of coming to Jesus, and I would say that you know the crowd, Jesus did talk to the crowd about some of their wrong motives, but it was right for them to come. It is right for you and I to come to Jesus. And we've been doing that as we've been going through the gospel of John, as we've been studying about the person that John wrote about, as we've been coming to John's gospel, we are coming to Jesus. And as you and I have been making that journey week after week and day after day, perhaps there have been ways that Jesus, through his spirit, have been pushing on your heart and on my heart. And Jesus is saying, you know what you need to do? is you need to repent. You need to seek forgiveness from the person that you wronged. You need to confess to that thing that you did. You you need to seek reconciliation in this relationship that you're in. You're reading about something about John, and you're reading about bread, and all of a sudden it comes into your heart, and you realize, like, what I I need to do is that? When we're reading God's word, the Holy Spirit will take advantage of that time to, to show us the next step of belief, the next step of faith. As we go through that Ikea book, we eventually come to the end and the bookshelf is built. 
in our relationship with the Lord, he will continue to provide steps of faith and belief for us to take. How well do you and I respond to the steps that Jesus provides to us? In our next section, John 34 through 40, we're going to see the crowd ask Jesus for bread. And uh, let's take a look and see uh, how that unfolds. So they've been having this question and answer with Jesus. They've asked three questions. They've received Jesus's answer. And they say to him in verse 34, Sir, give us this bread always. This is a very similar request to the woman at the well when she asked Jesus to give her the living water. At this point, In their interaction with Jesus, the crowd, like the Samaritan woman, still think there's a physical bread that's being offered or a or living water that I won't need to come and get water every day at the well. There's they're still trapped in the the physical realm. And so we're gonna see Jesus push the crowd. Uh, as he pushed the Samaritan woman to take that next step. Jesus said to them, the crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not be hungry, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have not seen me, that, that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. And I think uh, as I was thinking about that, that was really remarkable. Uh, you know, I mean, many times um, I've said to myself in my own journey with the Lord, I'm like, Lord, it would have been amazing to have seen you, to have seen your ministry, to have seen the things that you did, to have seen the miracles. But yet what we've learned here is that this crowd and many people in the, in the, 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 the land of Jerusalem when Jesus was alive saw the miracles, They saw Jesus with their physical eyes, but they failed to to understand the signs. They failed to take the steps of belief. Uh, They failed to move forward in their faith, in their relationship with the Lord. And so even though uh, there there might have been a great blessing for some people to see uh, the physical miracles that Jesus did for this group of people, they saw the miracle. Their stomachs were filled, but they did not actually understand or believe that Jesus was the person that he claimed to be. Jesus goes on and he begins to talk about um, his mission in this world is to do the will of the Father, verse 37. Uh, If we look at that one real quickly, he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So we've made this transition from this, this conversation about bread to understanding that Jesus is doing the will of the Father by offering eternal life, and that eternal life is given to all who come to him and believe. And Jesus is doing this as a part of the will of the Father. The reason that Jesus came is because of this 
was the will of the Father. And so the principle for this section is that Jesus will perfectly carry out the will of the Father. My mom and dad had been doing some work on the floors in our house when I was growing up. I think I was probably in high school. And I heard my mom and dad talking about replacing the carpet in our living room. And uh, they went somewhere on a Saturday shortly after this, and I took it upon myself to uninstall the wall-to-wall carpeting that had been in our living room. I thought that I was carrying out the will of my parents, my earthly parents. Um, When they came home, they were shocked. Uh, They had made the decision to keep the carpet in the living room, Uh, but I had misunderstood There had been a miscommunication. There had been a further part of the conversation that I hadn't been there for. And so there was disruption. The son, me, was trying to carry out the will of the parents, of the father. But I made a mistake. Perhaps, as you've gone through life, you've wondered, hmm, I wonder if Jesus got this right. I wonder if... God's will for my life is really what's carrying out right now in my circumstances, in my situation. You know, I felt that way as well. You know, God, is this really the the way that we're going to do this? Is this really the plan that you have for me? Has there maybe been a, a miscommunication, misunderstanding of uh, what was supposed to happen as it pertained to me? in these events, and perhaps you can relate to feeling that way. Jesus tells us that he knows and is executing the will of the Father perfectly. And so we are called to have confidence that Jesus knows what he's doing because God knows what he's doing. Maybe there have been times where you've experienced that as well. You've been in a situation in your life where there is no navigable way through that you can discern. Everything is wrong. Everything is against you. Nothing is working out. And suddenly, Jesus begins to work and maybe brought about resolution in ways that you frankly feel are miraculous because that's what Jesus does. Jesus carries out the will of the Father perfectly. And we can experience that as we trust him and as we have greater faith in who he is. As we wrap up, uh, I think the reality is is that Jesus is the exact superhero that you and I need to be able to navigate the storms and the, the challenges of this world. We need his compassion, we need his mercy, we need his forgiveness, we need his power, and we need him to offer the bread of life to us so that we can be restored to the abundant life that God intended for his people. Are you and I willing to receive what Jesus has to offer? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the work that you gave him to do in this world. Thank you, Lord, that he is perfectly united with you. I pray, Father, that you would help us to accept what Jesus offers to your people. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.